You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tribe Sup by your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host, Simon Musgrove, joined, as you can see, by Dom Shaw and Craig Johns. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you are listening through. We are recording this live on Facebook as well, so if you're listening in the moment, please get into the comments, ask Craig and Dom any questions about Middlesbrough and we'll get through the best of them. We'll come to you first, Craig. It's been a little while since we held a podcast and in... Um, those days gone by a lot has happened at Middlesbrough Warnock has gone Wilder has come in um, we'll first just talk about Warnock going I know we did release um, a podcast on the evening of his uh, exit but did you feel it was the right time for Warnock to go was it the right decision yeah I mean as you've seen a lot happened since the last time we recorded a proper sit down podcast like this one um, in, in terms of was it the right time yeah, I, I think so yes ultimately I think you know, we, I, I wrote a piece after the Luton game, and it was before that game. Neil Warnock had started discussing January, started looking ahead to January, and and you know, had already started putting the feelers out that you know there wasn't things weren't quite harmonious behind the scenes, and you know, started making if you like demands uh, about the January transfer window, and and you know, hinting that things behind the scenes weren't you know everyone wasn't working on the same um working singing to the same hymn sheet so we shall we see it and i think you know ultimately with 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 that in mind with middlesbrough looking to kind of be more sustainable and look more long term have a bit more of a long-term vision we saw that with the new direction that took in the summer bringing in kieran scott etc and i think the signs were just there that actually you know from the club's point of view with Borough not quite doing as well as they should be this season, um, you know, it, it left question marks. Do you want to go into that January window? Do you want to give Neil Warnock his kind of players, which don't necessarily marry with the club's long-term vision? Uh, and, and so I think in that respect, and, and given that a manager of the calibre of Chris Wilder was available, uh, I think ultimately it did feel like the right time. But just on that, you mentioned there that a lot of it maybe surrounded... The, the policy going forward, players coming in. Is it a case, Craig, that, you know, who's making these decisions when it comes to arrivals? Is Wilder going to have a big say? Are they going to be his players? Or is Kieran Scott also going to have um, a, a big say and he might push some players Wilder's way? I mean, I'm just wondering in terms of the dynamic there. So, yes, I mean, the way recruitment will work going forward at Borough, uh, Kieran Scott is is the head of football. Uh, there are three full-time members of staff on the recruitment team, I believe, and, you know, they're going to be tasked with kind of identifying players. Ultimately, every player Borough sign uh, is going to be signed off by everybody in the process, which will be Chris Wilder himself, Kieran Scott, Neil Bowser, the chief executive, and Steve Gibson, the, the chairman and owner. They're ultimately, between the four of them, all going to have to sign off on, on every player that Borough signed going forward. Um, and, and as I say, that's that's partly the issue, and particularly when Neil Warnock was in charge, that they weren't all singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, and... and um, 
and and now you know Wilder arrives, and I know there was a lot of talk that you know with what went on at Sheffield United, perhaps he wouldn't be happy with that kind of model uh, at Borough, but. You know, he spoke to the other three people there, Steve Gibson, Neil Bowser, and Kieran Scott, before, you know, signing a contract at Middlesbrough. He knows the men he's coming to work for. He knows the structure he's coming to work within. And, uh, you know, ultimately, Chris Wilder will be in charge of the team. He'll express to the others what he wants and what he feels his team needs. And then it will be on the recruitment team to to put targets forward and for you know as a, as a as a, a full team to to kind of decide which particular targets to move on. We will talk about Wilder. Just, just and, quickly, and... sorry, I, I just want to jump in on that. I, I think that's the key point for me. Uh, Wilder comes in knowing exactly what the structure is going to be. It's not like the goalposts have have been moved while while he's been a manager, which which was the case or looks from the outside. Uh, looking in was the case at Sheffield United. Um, so Wilder comes in with, with absolute clarity on what Kieran Scott's role is, what type of player they're looking for, what the, the bigger picture and long-term plan is. And Wilder nailed it for me when he when he talked about, um, and we know this has obviously been an issue for, for a number of years now and under a number of managers, what what you've had is a, is a situation where um, Gary Monk comes in and brings in the type of player that, that Gary Monk was looking for. Then after however long he goes and Tony Pulis comes in and obviously Pulis doesn't want a Martin Braithwaite, he wants a, an Aidan Flint. Obviously not to not a like-for-like swap there, but you get the point. They obviously they have preferences. Then Jonathan Woodgate comes in and wants to play a different way, but the players that have been brought in have been brought in to play the Tony Pulis way. So you had a situation where every time a manager was coming in, you're almost having to start a game from scratch. Um, and, and that, was ultimately the, the problem that they had going into January. Um, if if Borough were top, or if Borough were third within a point of the top two going into to, uh, the January window, and there might have been, but it was looking you know extremely unrealistic, then Neil Warnock would have had a certain clout in saying, look, like I've got you here. I've got you to this position. We're, 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 give me a couple of players. Give me a couple of my kind of players. And I'll get you over the line. But as it was, the se- Borough were almost meandering the way through the season. And, you know, what were you going to do? Get to January, give Warnock two or three players that, that he wanted. Not finish in the top six. Then come come the summer, get Chris Wilder in or someone else. And suddenly you, you might have two or three players that the new manager didn't, didn't fancy or wouldn't fancy long term. So I, I think, you know, not a case of being wise after the event. I think timing wise, it, it suited it suited everyone. Um, and I think it, it's going to benefit Borough and Wilder going forward that coming in, there was absolute clarity over what the rules are and what the bigger picture thinking is. Well, I was going to ask you there, Dom, there's a few comments um, from our, our viewers on Facebook asking about the way it happened, the way Warnock left Middlesbrough. Uh, a, a few people asking whether whether you think it was a bit horrible is one of the words uh, Luke has used in the comments here. What did you make of the way it was handled? Um, it's a difficult one, really. Uh, you know, Neil Warnock was aware for a number of weeks that that uh, you know he, he he said himself that discussions had taken place between himself and Steve Gibson um, over the kind of long term thinking, and you know Warnock said himself that he was he, him and him and Gibson spoke at length about what the club's view is. Um, now I know. Warnock says that he 
found out at 10 o'clock on, on the on the Saturday morning. But the the word from the club is slightly different to that. You know, there's clearly a the, the wording in the statement was mutual consent. And that that's Borough's stance that it that it was mutual consent. Now Neil Warnock is saying otherwise. Um if 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 that's the way he feels or if that's the you know that's what he wants to say then then so be it. I, I don't think you know I, I don't think it wants we don't want to look back on it ending on a sour note and I don't think it did end on a sour note. You know Neil Warnock and Steve Gibson have, have always been uh, close and, and that continued to be the case. Um and Warnock always talks about wanting to leave a club. He, he doesn't want to outstay his welcome at a club. He said it loads, hasn't he? He reads the forums. He reads the comments. He's aware of what kind of fans are saying um, at Cardiff he left because he could feel it was, you know, not turning toxic, but but it might have turned toxic if he'd have stayed. So he, he left at the right time. I think we're at the, we're in a situation or in a position where fans will look back and appreciate that Neil Warnock did a good job in coming in keeping Borough up, did an excellent job last season in, I think, mainly in keeping fans engaged while while they were out of the stadiums, uh, while it was behind closed doors, because I think if if, we, if there was a manager in place who, who wasn't as good a communicator as Warnock was, then um, a lot of fans could have just could have just lost touch with the club, but I think he did a good job in, in extremely difficult circumstances of keeping fans engaged. And obviously, he fancied a tilt it this season, especially with fans coming back in. But just the way it had gone and, you know, the atmosphere at Hull and, the, the you know, it was a growing number who who felt that it was the kind of Warnock's time had come, really. I think you he, he, he was running the risk of outstaying his welcome if we'd have gone and move forward to and if results and performances had continued as they, as they had been. Just before we move on, on to Wilder and what he'll bring to Middlesbrough, Craig, I just want to talk about the piece you did um, for the website on uh, Warnock. You had a, you, you know, you wrote a kind of a goodbye message to him, a thank you message in many ways. Just uh, talk us through that because it was a lovely written piece and I think, you know, many people kind of echoed your feelings towards Warnock. Yeah, no, thanks for that. And it kind of touches on a lot of what Dom said there. You know, I mean, he, he's always kind of said he wouldn't want to outstay his welcome. And he, he likes to kind of feel that he he, he leaves the club uh, in a better state than what he found it. And I think that's certainly the case with, with Middlesbrough. Dom spoke about the kind of, you know, imbalance within the, the Borough squad, particularly when he took over. You know, there were, you know, dangerously um, close to, to relegation at that point. He managed to steer them clear of that. He's, if you like, cleared the decks of a lot of high earners on the wage bill, a lot of, you know, what he called kind of, you know, more troublesome members of the dressing room. Um, and and I do, you know, subscribe to his view uh, that he, he leaves the Borough team, the Borough squad, in, in a much better position than he found it. That, you know, I agree with Chris Wilder too, that, you know, in his kind of verdict on the squad that there is still in balance there there are still you know certain areas of the pitch that need strengthening but um you know the foundations have been left there and and that's you know largely thanks to a lot of the work that that Neil Warnock and his team have done in the in the last kind of 18 months under difficult circumstances as well we must um you know we must remember with with covid etc it has been a difficult kind of climate with which he's had to work in um, and, and yeah, that piece you mentioned that was, uh, you know, like my thank you to Neil Warnock because, 
you know, not just what he did for the club, but what he did for myself personally as well. I obviously came in and started working at the Gazette at the start of last season. And, and, and you know, it, it has to be said that, you know, he was absolutely brilliant with, with me and with all of us as uh, as kind of local journalists, regional journalists. He, he, you know, he was always available to pick up the phone if, uh, if he needed a chat privately. His press conferences were always fun. Uh, you never quite knew what you would get, but you would always get something from him. Um, and uh, and yeah, just in general, you know, he, he helped me a lot uh, coming here and, and starting at the Gazette. And, and I'm sure a lot of regional journalists would say the same about him. Yeah, most certainly. Uh, just to finish on on one of them before we do get on to Wild, I'll come to you first, Dom. Um, what would you say was the best moment for Warnock at Middlesbrough and how would you, in a sentence or so, sum up his time at Middlesbrough? Best moments. The game that always stands out, um, and I think it had been a special a special afternoon had fans been in, was, was the win at Birmingham just before Christmas because that was a convincing and impressive win. I think Borough were sixth, five points off the top two at the time. Um, Warnock was adamant that Borough were going to Coming coming into the road in the second half of the season, and January was around the corner, and you know we, we felt that they were going to get three or four players to strengthen as they did, um, and and at that point, I certainly fancied Borough to kick on, and I, I wouldn't really have entertained the idea at that point of, of Borough missing out on the top six. Um, I think that the other one was uh, that stands out was the the, the win at Reading at the back end of the season when he came in, because um, that was a you know Borough was still really precariously placed at that point. That was a massive win. Um, I think Patrick Roberts scored, maybe Ashley Fletcher as well. That was a big win as well. And and to, to sum up, I think, as, as I mentioned previously, um, you know, fans now and in the future will look back uh, and, and be grateful to Warnock for keeping Borough in the league because going down to League One would have been catastrophic, really. Um, and and for the fun of the, of the year that followed, because... You know, I look back to, was it March, April time when Warnock signed his extension to say this season? And at that point, that was celebrated by the vast majority of fans. You know, that really was deemed good news at the time. And I know, um, you know, it, it might have gone, the moods might have slightly turned uh, at the start of this season. As I say, the timing was right. But but probably for, for four-fifths of three-quarters of his time at the club, um, you know, Warnock was, was extremely popular and, and fans will, will look back on that with fondness, I would think. Brilliant. So for you, Craig? Yeah, um, I think Don mentioned it then. It, it predates my time covering the club, but that, that win against Reading um, is, is probably one of the biggest um, because ultimately, you know, his immediate job when coming to Borough and probably the most important thing he did in his time at Borough was keep them in the championship at a time where, as Dom says, they, they were in, gen, in real genuine danger of being relegated. And, you know, many people have said it and many people are right. It would have been an absolute disaster for Borough to go down to League One. Um, no, no way on earth should Borough be, ever be in League One again. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that win against Redden, although it predates my time covering the club, was probably, um, you know, his biggest win, if you like. Um, in terms of, you know, highlights under him from when I've watched, uh, when I've been covering and watching, uh, I think in terms of an, an overall positive, the way that so many players have developed under his management, uh, the likes of Anthony Dykesdale, Mark Bowler, uh, come on, leaps and bounds last season under him. I think Dale Fry became a better player under him. I think Paddy McNair had it, had his best season uh, as a Middlesbrough player, perhaps his best season in his whole career. 
um, under Warnock. Um, I think a lot of players did, um, you know, become better players under his uh, management. And I think just as a, a another kind of, you know, towards the end of his reign and this season, obviously fans coming back because I think that's one of the biggest shames is that last season there weren't any fans there, but the fact that fans did come back this season and um, you know the 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 victory over uh, Bristol City at home, it was the first home game of the season, the first time fans were back at the Riverside. Um, you know, it was just a great atmosphere overall that day. But uh, you know, getting the win on that day and, and Warner going round and celebrating with the fans at full time like he does, uh, you know, that stands out in the moments that I was there to witness. Brilliant stuff. Um, we'll get on to Wilder now. Then, I mean, I, I, you know, it seems like a very good appointment. You know, he's got a lot of admirers. He would have been uh, probably in for some of these jobs that are currently going in the Premier League, the likes of Norwich. I know Stephen Gerrard's just gone to Villa, but you could imagine if those talks have broken down well, then well may have been considered for that job as well. Is it a bit of a, a, a coup for Middlesbrough to get someone like Wilder Dom, do you think? I've, I've, I don't know whether it's a coup. It's a good. I think it's a good appointment. I think it's a. I think it's a good appointment for Borough, and I think it's a good move for Wilder because uh, I read. I read an interview. I can't remember whether it was this week or whether it was a couple of months ago when he was talking about moving back into management. When he said that this this next move is is the biggest in his career because really, it, he's constantly been on an upwards traje- trajectory. When you consider he took Oxford up, he took Northampton job on when Northampton were bottom of League Two, but he, he clearly, you know, thought that there was a, a looked at the bigger picture there, took Northampton up, got the Sheffield United job, took them up twice, then obviously encountered difficulties at Sheffield United. But I, I've said on numerous occasions that for me, you can't draw any firm conclusions from the behind closed doors season because it was such an anomaly. Um, and, you know, I think there are number, numerous factors at Sheffield United, classic second season syndrome, I went to Bramall Lane under Wilder and it was an awful place to visit and for visiting sides to go. To lose the fans and the kind of hostile atmosphere that was created there was a huge factor. Um, and then obviously there was the, the behind the scenes going on with the ownership battle that, that obviously frustrated Wilder. Um, so, so I can understand why, why he felt that his next move was critical because although... Really, he's only ever had that one disappointment in his management career going down, or, or you know, Sheffield United were going down when he was in charge. Um, he now feels he's got a point to prove, and he's got the to to prove the doubters wrong. When it's only a couple of seasons ago, you know, he was finishing second in the Manager of the Year award behind Klopp, or or I think the year before he'd finished second behind Guardiola. Um, if if Borough is sat tight, there's no doubt that. Wilder, you know, he wouldn't have been available come the summer, would he? He'd have, he'd have gone before then. Um, he, you know, Nottingham Forest had had a sniff. I was certain he'd end up at West Brom in the summer. I still I still think West Brom have missed a trick by another third, but I still think West Brom have missed a trick by appointing Ishmael rather than Wilder. And as you say, there are those Premier League clubs. You would imagine Norwich, you know, that I'm reading now that they might look at Dean Smith. Well, I'm looking at Norwich's position and thinking... Wilder would probably, I know Smith took Villa up, but Wilder would probably be a better bet for going in and, you know, stabilising things and getting ready for them to come again. So I, I think it's a brilliant appointment from Borough, but I, but I also think it's a, it's a wise move from Wilder. And yeah, just to add on that as well, I mean, the one thing we do know about kind of, you know, why Borough did move when they did, um, you know, 
what we were told is that it was a couple of weeks ago now, kind of Steve Gibson, you know, told the kind of, you know, the likes of Kieran Scott and, and Bowser, etc., to start drawing up a shortlist of, of potential next managers because we all knew this was going to be Neil Warnock's next season, uh, last season. So, you know, at that point, they were drawing up a shortlist of realistic managers who would replace Neil Warnock come June. Um, and 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 what I was told is that when that shortlist was was drawn up, Chris Wilder was was by far the standout name on that list. He was the man that you know everybody unanimously kind of said he is the right man for Borough. And and, and as Dom says, you know, like um, it's it's almost certain had they have waited until uh, till the summer when Neil Warnock was initially supposed to go. Um, that have probably Chris Wilder wouldn't have been an option anymore. Steve Gibson knows Chris Wilder and so was able to get in touch with him uh, and was able to establish that he did have offers for, uh, on the table. I think Cardiff was certainly one of the, the clubs that had offered him um, something, but we were also told that um, you know there were clubs who, um, for obvious reasons, they wouldn't name, but had sounded him out, even though they still had managers themselves. Um, and so quite possibly you think, you know, like maybe an Aston Villa, a Norwich City, who clearly have had it in their plans to change manager in, in recent weeks, could be among those clubs who who had sounded Chris Wilder out and, and asked whether he wanted to. And I think, you know, ultimately it was clear to Borough that, like I say, he was the standout kind of long-term candidate uh, for them, who they wanted. He wanted to come but he wouldn't have been available had the wait until the end of this season. We've got a few comments here, which I'll, I'll put onto the screen. You've got uh, Luke here saying Chris Welder is a fantastic appointment. And um, we've got uh, John McManus, who says he's feeling confident with Wilder. He will give us a plain identity and has demonstrated he can make a team that is better than its, some of its parts. The comment I wanted to ask you, Dom, was this one from Nick Moore. He says, in reality... Warnock has a better promotion record from this division. Why do we think Wilder will be successful where Warnock wasn't? I mean, first of all, Dom, do you, what is the priority for Wilder? Is it to get promotion this season and then dive into what, what Nick was asking there? Wilder said this week that he's, I think his words were, I'm, I'm here for the long term. My, my can't focus is the long term, the midterm and the short term. He's not been brought in with a, you know, you must get promoted this season. Um, the the plan, the structure is in place for Borough to be successful, you know, next season, two years, three years down the line. That said, you know, while they will look at that table, look at Borough's squad, look at the teams that are, that are currently in the top six or seven, um, Borough are four points off. There's, and there's plenty of football to be played this season. There's no reason why Borough can't get in amongst it this season. Um, I'm not sure I subscribe to, to Warnock's claim on TalkSport this week that Borough can still get in the automatic promotion places. I think that was a little bit mischievous from Warnock, given that he's said on numerous occasions that the top three are away and gone. Um, but if obviously, the, at times, I, I look back to the Strachan season when Strachan took uh, charge after Southgate left, and it was almost as though that first season, you know, he came in in October and that first season was written off. We're not strong enough, but I want to, I want to get my players in place to come back stronger next year. Um, but 
Wilder won't do that. You know, Wilder will come in and, yeah, I agree with Mohammed, the top two are well and truly gone. Um, you know, Wilder will come in and, yes, there's going to be areas of the squad where he looks at and thinks that isn't for me and that needs strengthening. But he'll immediately set about getting the best out of the players that are available. Um, and, and top six this year will be the aim. As for the comment about Warnock's record being better than Wilder's, well, it is because Warnock spent however many seasons in the championship and Warnock's record in the championship is absolutely unrivaled. I think I'm right in saying that Wilder's only ever managed two seasons in the championship with Sheffield United. And the first, he kept them up after taking them up, kept them up comfortably without knowing, I think, they were comfortably mid-table. The second, he took them up automatically ahead of the likes of, of Leeds United and Derby. Um, so, you know, no one's disputing Warnock's record. But, but for me, the evidence is in the, dis the displays and performances we've seen this season and, you know, that Borough team, the performances, there's been more average or poor performances this season than good performances. And the way things were going, Borough weren't going to go up this season. Um, Craig's disappeared, thanks to Callum Morrison's comment. Um, whereas I think, you know, now Wilder will come in, as I say, the long-term view, the long-term view um, will be considered, but he'll have a right good tilt at, at what's left of this season. And I'm going to ask Craig this comment here from Callan. I'm sorry we can't see you very well at the moment, but I'll take it off once I've read it. Um, it's a bit of a long one. He says, I'm looking forward to Wales' appointment unfolding. A lot of talk focuses on his last season at Sheffield United. That's where the negatives come from. However, that was in the Premier League, and I'm sure we would all take just getting there right now. And he gets on after how he gets on after that is irrelevant at this moment in time. Can he do it with his style again with Borough? Hopefully, he hasn't been figured out and we have the players to play his way. Craig, what would you take there from Callan's uh, comments? Yeah, I think uh, really interesting comments, and, and and you know, like he says, you, there's there's only so much you can take away from you know what happened at Sheffield United because you know as we've discussed, there were issues you know in the back room or backstage, if you like, at Sheffield United, a lot of which I'm I'm absolutely certain that most people, myself included, won't know exactly what was going on there. I've heard a few bits and bobs of things that were happening there and towards the end, which, uh, you know, they're not good and they're not a good environment to work in. Um, and, and so, as I said, there's a lot of things goes unseen and, and, and sometimes unheard uh, that, that make things difficult. In terms of, you know, coming to Borough and, and his style, I think that's a big thing and, and, and that... Um, you know, it's going to be so, so important. He's obviously got this two-week international break and uh, that will help. But, of course, these numbers are quite depleted at the moment because of the injuries in the squad and three players away on international duty, which is a bit of a blow. But the one thing we have got, which is quite positive, is um, he's got, you know, his first game against Millwall and then, um, you know, they have a midweek game then. Uh, Preston is it I think uh, midweek if I'm not mistaken and then Huddersfield on the Saturday and then from then until Christmas it's it's three weeks in between games it's uh, you know like Saturday no midweek a Saturday so he'll have full weeks to work with the squad for the next few weeks after the he's, uh, first game first weeks in charge uh, which is uh, you know that's a positive in terms of because a big part of these early stages of his uh you know, his Borough appointment is going to be impressing this style that he has. It. We are presuming, we are assuming, I should say, that 
he is going to try and play a similar style at Barrett to what he uh, what he played at Sheffield United, and he's he's brought Alan Mill with him, his assistant, who was uh, credited with kind of if you like being the the mastermind of that three five two with the the overlapping centre backs and uh, and and the like. You know, it was such a, an innovative um, you know style of play and tactic, and you know he start they started with that style that tactic. Um, when they were a League One club, uh, that's what got Sheffield United from League One up to the Championship. They continued playing it in the Championship, got up to the Premier League, and then continued playing it in the Premier League and finished ninth of the first season in the Premier League. Uh, it was such an impressive style, so, something that so many struggled to work out. Um, and, and yeah, so um, a big part, I think, of his early successes at Borough will be how quickly he can get Borough's squad playing that style because it is very different and it will be difficult to understand and because of the imbalances in Borough's squad it might be quite difficult and you know there might be a few if you like stop gaps uh, where you know players are plugging positions that might not be natural to them uh, but yeah I think ultimately we're just going to try and get through to January he'll then you know bring in a few players we hope and you know we still we should hopefully by then start to see you know, kind of wild as Borough takes you. Just want to read this comment here from Craig Collentine. says, speaking to several Sheffield United fans within his office in Manchester, they've said it's an excellent appointment for Borough. So they're supportive for Wilder and he has been missed. And now I want to ask you two a question where I want you to answer at the same time, because you mentioned there, Craig, that Wilder has had, is going to have, you know, uh, the international break to work on Middlesbrough. Um I want to know, both of you, what you think his immediate priority is, his number one priority. So on the count of three, I want you to say it at the same time. Let's see if you're on the same same wavelength. So one, two, three. What is Wilder's uh, number one priority? Didn't really work that, did it? Because yeah. we all can. Yeah. Right, Craig, you go that first. That was going to be my next point, honestly. <laughs> I agree yeah. with Craig, actually. Craig, Craig's right, and I'm wrong there. That, you know, you, you, prevention's better than cure, isn't it? The... But to, for Borough to stand any chance, they need to have the best players on the pitch. Not at all, not at all time. It doesn't work like that. And I was reading a piece from the Athletic. Um, I think it was in the January of of Wilders, the Premier League season. Uh, Sheffield United, the first Premier League season, and and they didn't have one outfield player injured. You know, at the most hectic time of the season, probably the most hectic time of any domestic season in Europe, given you know the festive schedule in England, and and they didn't have one outfield player injured um and you can be unlucky with injuries but you know that that doesn't happen by chance they're clearly doing something very right there so fingers crossed it it goes the same way at Borough because that has been an issue hasn't it yeah Wilder's spoken about it hasn't he and he's kind of uh you know a couple of first press conferences he's unveiling press conference with us the interview he did with the club uh kind of as, as Dom says reducing uh, those injuries or you know stopping them happening uh, is a big part of of what he wants to do very quickly because you know it has been a major impact on Borough's season so far is the fact that so many players and important players have been out injured um, and 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 you know with a smaller squad like Borough are trying to manage with uh, that that is obviously problematic. Um, He's brought in Matt Prestridge with him. We mentioned Alan Nilly's assistants come in. Matt Prestridge comes with him as well. He's uh, head of sports science and first team coach. Reading a bit about Matt yesterday, he's a really impressive character. I think he's uh, he's he's either twenty nine or thirty, depending on when his birthday is. Going by an interview that he did 
uh, at that point he was uh, he was aged at 26. Uh, it would depend on his birthday when his birthday is, whether he's 29 or 30. But either way, uh, he's got such an impressive resume for such an early age. He's a UEFA B licensed UEFA B coach. Uh, and a sports scientist. He has a degree and a master's in sports science. Um, he's worked as a coach and a sports scientist at, at uh, you know various clubs, Nottingham Forest, Derby, Watford, uh, even Tottenham. He was a first-team coach at, at Tottenham. And, of course, he's worked with Wilder at Northampton and, uh, and Sheffield United too. And he, he was credited with being a big partner. Sheffield United had this unique style where there were you know, they were up and at you, they were, as Chris Wilder says, so committed and running through brick walls for him. And we mentioned the overlapping centre-backs and the overloading of the final third, which was a big part of where so many of their goals came from. And yet, with all that overloading in the final third, they were never really ever caught on the break much. Uh, they were never defensively, um, you know, laps, if you like, despite the commitment to attack. Uh, and, and Prestridge was was kind of credited with with getting the players in tip-top condition uh, to, to be able to play that kind of style. And so, you know, I think just as important as nil, the the kind of tactical innovator, if you like, coming with Wilder, Prestridge's appointment at Borough could be really important too. So just to be clear, what was your priority, Craig? So mine was reducing uh, the injuries. And Dom, what was yours? Mine was consistency, which is a bit of a cop out, really, isn't it? I suppose there are important there, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. But um, I think in solving some of the other issues, will in turn Im improve consistency. So maybe I've just um, jumped ahead a little bit. Now we've got lots of good uh, questions in the comments here, and I'm going to finish on them. But um, we'll just have a quick talk about about January, uh, Craig. Um, you, do you think he's going to have money to spend? I mean, we've got one of the comments here um, from Luke, and he says he can't see Wilder coming in without promise of funds. So has there been any suggestion about that, that you know, he will get a pot of money to, to spend this January? Yeah, well, I mean, as uh, the comment there said, um, you know, I can't imagine he'll have joined without, uh, from Luke, sorry, I forgot the name before I was starting there. Yeah, um, I can't imagine he'd have come in without you know, assurances that something would happen in January. He's spoken himself about the need for kind of responsibility. And of course, this is, you know, a long-term project that Borough are building to. And there is the, the championship profit and sustainability rules, which Middlesbrough have to adhere to. And of course, there's also the, the championship registration um, rules that, you know, Borough have to be conscious of because you can only register 25 players and they currently have 23 registered. Under 21 players don't count in that, though you don't have to register them. Um, so, you know, if he wanted to sign more than two uh, players and, and bear in mind that any players you bring in on loan, even if they're under 21, have to be registered within that 25. Um, you know, if he wants to bring in more than two players in January, then he, he's going to have to you know, either shift a couple of players or or unregister them and, and essentially have them on the books without without being able to actually play them. Um, so there's going to be a bit of balancing uh, needs to go on in January. But but absolutely, you know, he's already spoken about the fact that you know he's he comes in with a, a sound knowledge. He's done his homework. He knows the Borough squad relatively well. He knows already in his mind what he thinks he's going to want in January as well. Um, and, and yeah, you mentioned low knees as well. I think there's a potential that a couple uh, could be recalled. I think Jed Spence is is 
highly likely to be recalled. Particularly, we talked about his three-five-two that he likes to play, and his his wing backs at Sheffield United were so important. How Sheffield United played, uh, very attacking wing backs, and I think it's tailor made for Jed Spence, who has done terrifically well at Nottingham Forest. Uh, so I'd be very, very surprised if he wasn't recalled in January. I think there's the scope for others to be recalled as well, too. Um, we'll dive into the comments then to finish off. We have one here from uh, Dave McNally who asks, who says there's been a lot of criticism of Neil Bowser online, especially after Warnock's comments. Um, he just wants to know, Dom, if you can shed any light on what are Bowser's responsibilities and what are you and Scott's who deals with the likes of contracts, agents and signings? I think I think that's the good thing about Scott's um, appointment. There's, there's that bit more clarity and it allows... I guess each role to focus on on uh, you know what what on their uh, priorities. So we know that Scott's come in with you know purely a f- kind of the football the football side of things in mind with the structure of of uh, how Borough want to play recruitment. We know from Norwich is his, is his big thing. That's where he started out through the through the scouting route. So he's going to have an eye on the football side of things and the players who Borough are targeting. You know the the players. The squad now already has Kieran Scott's fingerprints on when you look at some of the players who've who've been brought in in the summer. Um, and then it allows Neil Bowser to focus on the contract side of things, the, the finance side of things. And also, the you know, we know that um, Neil Bowser is now taking a more active role with, within, with, with the EFL. Um, so I think I think the Scott appointment allows um, both to kind of home in on, on their strengths, I guess, um, and... We, with as I, as I mentioned right at the start, Chris Wilder comes in knowing exactly what the structure is. It's not like things are changing while he's already in place and he's having to adapt to that. Um, just 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 back to what Craig was saying there as well about Wilder and looking ahead to January. So slight slightly off point, but I think I think one advantage is Wilder comes in knowing the division not not from two seasons ago, but he said in a number of interviews that um, he was always clear in his own mind that it was highly likely that it was in the championship where his next job was going to come. Um, so he's been watching loads of championship football this season. I listened to a five live pod this week, uh, the EFL podcast. And I think it was Phil Brown who was saying that he'd spotted Wilder at a game. I think it was a Nottingham Forest game earlier in the season. And Wilder was at the back of the stand with his hood up. He, he wasn't there to be kind of, you know, oh, look, it's, I'm Chris Wilder and I'm, I'm watching games. He, he didn't want to be seen, but he obviously clearly wanted to have eyes on the games. And I read another interview where Grant McCann, the whole manager, had had said that Wilder had um, had rang him after a game. I think Hull might have got beat. It might have been a, sto- a game against Stoke and Wilder had rang him and said, look, kind of stick to stick to what you believe in. Um, you know, that performance today was one of the best performances I've seen from a championship side this season. So he comes in having watched a lot of the a lot of you would imagine that Alan Nil is exactly the same. So they're not starting blind with the teams who Borough are coming up against. He comes in having watched a lot of football this season, which hopefully gives gives them a head start. It's a bit irrelevant this question now, considering Wilder has uh, signed and is the new manager. But we'll we'll go into it because there's always speculation about who it could have been in the dugout. And uh, Dave McNally wants to know what other managers were available instead of Wilder. Craig, you mentioned. You know, they had drawn up a list. I mean, was Wilder, you think, top of that list and they've got their number one man? Yeah, so that's what I was told. As I say, I was told that they the, the drew up the shortlist and um, 
you know, it was it was said that this shortlist had to be realistic. You know, they didn't want unrealistic names being put on this list that it would that Borough would never be able to attract. The, they were looking at people who would want to come to Borough, and and it was said that Wilder was, uh, you know, by far and large the the standout candidate and uh, the unanimous kind of name on the list that everybody had absolutely no reservations or doubts about whatsoever. I, I, the honest answer is I don't know who the others on the list were. Um, I don't know who who would have been considered realistic, who would have been considered unrealistic. Um, I just know from, you know, what, what people um, were telling me is that, you know, Wilder was the man that they, they wanted and, and they've ultimately got. No, brilliant stuff. Um, we have, where's that question gone? We've got uh, Philip Davies asking, um, do we think Wilder will sign a goalkeeper, Dom? I mean, they obviously signed one in the, in, in the summer there, but is that an area you think Middlesbrough need to improve on? Joe, Joe Lumley has, I think at times he's been um, not overly criticised, but um, I've seen a lot of criticism of Joe Lumley and I, and I, I think he's had as... He's had as many bad games as he had good, as he had as he has good games, and I know that's you know not really a uh, compliment. But I, I don't I don't think Joe Lumley's a bad goalkeeper. You know he, he got a point at Derby. Um, was it what was the other game? There was another game where he was the where he was the standout player. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. I'd have to double check. I haven't seen Luke Daniels yet. Craig was at those games, so I can't comment on him. You know, interestingly, Dejan Stianovic is still at the club. He's been training. He was pictured and videoed in training this week. And I noticed that he'd, he'd put an Instagram post on this week. So Stianovic might well look at this. Again, I, I can't really comment on Stianovic as a keeper because we haven't seen a lot of him. I, I never thought I'd see him again in a Borough shirt, but you, you just never know. So I'd, Borough have three goalkeepers. Now, if it's clearly a hugely important position. And if Wilder looks at it and thinks that that's an area of weakness, then then yes, he will address it. But, you know, three senior keepers, my, my gut would tell me that he'd look at that and think that one of them is good enough, or you would hope that one of them impresses enough um, to, to nail down a spot. It, it'll be, I think that'll be one of the most, in, given that Lumley lost his spot for the last couple of games under Warnock, I think in that Millwall game, I'm always fascinated by the first team selection of a new manager, but, but, Who's in goal? Who's got the gloves? Um, is perhaps the most intriguing selection of them all. Where, where do you think you know if if uh, Wilder? We've lost you there. Maybe. You're back. I think. Yeah, I'm you're back. back. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say if Wilder heads into the first of January and he could literally click his fingers and have the player of his choice, you know, right there and then. What would be that number one position you think he would he would want to strengthen, you know, come come January? I'll just go dead quickly and then let Craig in on this. I think, I think, um, wouldn't surprise me if Johnny Housen stepped back and, and played as kind of one of the three centre halves under, under Wilder. Um, you know, I, I, I really like Housen, but I, I actually think he's played his better football as a defender or as a right back or as a, as a right sided centre half in recent years. Um, I think, I think he ticks boxes for, for Warnock in that role. I would look and think that. Um, perhaps a, a, a dominant. It depends how it depends the role that he sees Matt Crooks playing. But perhaps a, a dominant kind of holding midfielder to make Borough tick. Borough have so much attacking talent. Uh, Tavernier, 
uh, Jones, Hernandez, Spara, uh, Josh Coburn, now we know Zuche, Piezu, Mark Piero, if he plays in a more advanced role. I think just someone, and it might be Matt Crooks, but if it's not, then I think it might be the area where he looks to strengthen. Someone who's going to sit in there, sweep up and let the players in front flourish. Um, and Craig mentioned the importance of wing-backs, but I look at Jed Spence out on loan. Um, I look at Hayden Coulson, who might well come back and, and compete with Mark Bowler. So although those areas might not look particularly strong at this moment in time, I think Borough have options in that area. Sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably agree with Dom there, yeah, on, on central midfield. Again, I'm, I'm with Dom. I, I've actually just done a piece, uh, Timely, the day, kind of looking at the, the positions that Borough, that Chris Wilder could look to strengthen in January. And, and central midfield was one that I noted and, and is, you know, probably up there with the, the priorities, particularly now Wilder comes in. That's the one area that probably looks a bit short on options, uh, central midfield given that Wilder does like to play with three um, and, and and given that James Lee Saliki will probably miss uh, all of January and, and into February because he'll probably be away with Cameroon at the African Cup of Nations and, and given that he's not really a regular for his country, he could spend the best part of a month kind of playing here and there, minutes here and there and, and largely being a substitute for a month. Uh, which I appreciate he's, he's been at Borough anyway as well. But, you know, in, in Borough's training, there's that feeling that they're training him how they want him to be training, where he's not getting that when he's away with Cameroon. Um, so, you know, you, you almost take James Lee Saliki out of the equation for, for probably over a month. Um, and, and suddenly your options in central midfield do look quite light. Um Particularly, I know you could see, as you see, Housen can play as a central midfielder, McNair can play as a central midfielder, but you know, the, the light at centre back too, and, and almost certainly Paddy McNair is going to be, you would expect, Taylor made for one of those overlapping centre back uh, positions, the two wider centre back roles. Um, so you would expect that he wouldn't really be considered a midfielder under, under Chris Wilder. Um, and, and yeah, I think Don nailed it there in saying that Matt Crooks' position, where Wilder sees Matt Crooks is probably key to what kind of central midfielder is important. Um, if Matt Crooks is seen as kind of like the dominant um, defensive midfielder, uh, then then they probably need another kind of technically gifted attacking midfielder because you know th those roles, those two more attack-minded central midfielders was so vital to the way that Chris Wilder's Sheffield United played um, to the point that, you know, in the season that they finished ninth in the Premier League, um, the two central midfielders were, were joined second for uh, Sheffield United's uh, goal contributions. That's goals and assists combined. Um, and, and so that tells you exactly, you know, how important they were to the Sheffield United team that finished ninth in the Premier League. So, so those two positions, those kind of attack-minded central midfield positions, you know, he has to get right. I think they're, they're vital. Uh, put up my question then before I let you guys get off. This one for you, Craig, from Callan again. Uh, he says you touched on it in one of your pieces, and you were going to delve in the situation a bit further when it where Leo. Uh, was concerned. I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about Pavlovic, the, uh, the, the, the one of the first team coaches. Any more information about that and his role under Wilder? So uh, I asked about Leo um, yesterday, and you know he, he will steer, and it's expected he'll just stay in the same role, which as you see is his first team coach. Um, 
you know, he, he has an excellent rap with, with, uh, report with with all of the, the Borough players. I don't think there's one Borough player who would have a bad word to say about Leo. He's, he's absolutely fantastic and, and fans alike absolutely love him. Uh, and he is a cracking bloke, uh, absolutely lovely bloke. Um, and, you know, and under Neil Warnock, he, he, he kind of had, you know, he wasn't front and centre. He wasn't one of Warnock's most, you know, senior trusted coaches. Like that was Kevin Blackwell and Ronnie, Ronnie Jefferson. We knew that. But still, you know, the, the role he played was important, as I say, in terms of, you know, putting on the training drills that, uh, that Kevin Blackwell and Ronnie Jefferson planned. On a match day, it was quite important because he would be the guy kind of, if you like, giving instructions to the substitutions and, and telling them what they were going to do when they were coming on. And in turn, that meant that Kevin, Ronnie and Neil could could keep eyes on the match, never had to kind of take eyes off the game because um, Leo was doing that for them. And of course, in later months, Leo's also, you know, helped the kind of, you know, settling in and the transition and and the uh, also the language barrier with, uh, with Martin Piero. And of course, we know that Borough will continue to monitor those foreign markets. So I think, uh, you know, I think, I would expect Leo to just stay in a similar kind of role where he'll, you know, he'll be help, he'll be a helpful hand around training, setting training sessions up, uh, etc., and and just generally being a kind of, if you like, a middleman between the 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 management team and the and the players. And the final question then to you both, we'll go to you first on this from Dave McNally, another Dave McNally. Uh, he says, who's going to be the biggest casualty? He talks about Usher, they're not sure he's saying he's not, he's not sure he fits the high pressing style. So, Dom, who do you think might be the biggest casualty from Wilder's appointment? I, I have thought that. Um, I think it's too early to say. I I agree that, um, you know, from the outside looking in at the start, you would imagine that Sparar is certainly going to be more of a of a wilder centre forward, um, dynamic high press. Um, but what I would say is, it, I've only spoke to Uche briefly at the start of the season after the Bishop Auckland friendly, I think it was. So I don't know him personally, but from that and from what I've seen, he strikes me as as a player with the right attitude and and who will you know, certainly not let his head drop and will certainly do everything in his power to adapt if he has to. Um, and, and um, you know, if, if a plan B comes in useful, you know, doesn't it, especially as a as a centre-forward. So I would I would certainly think Ick Piazza will have a role to play going forward. Um, I mean, what you would say is on, on recent weeks, it, is, he, is he now behind Josh Coburn in the, in the pecking order anyway? It, it it obviously went under the radar given everything that followed the game. But that finish from Coburn at West Brom at the weekend was was class. And um, you know, he, he does look the part. And how many times have we said we're young players, let's not expect too much too soon. But it, it was noticeable that Wilder name checked Coburn a couple of times, as he did with Isaiah Jones. So he's obviously impressed as well. Um so it'll be interesting to see. I think I think, you know, we've talked about crooks and I think Crooks will certainly have a role to play under Wilder, um, but I'm not sure where. You know that that's going to be the uh, case, and also uh, the likes of Anthony Dyke Steele. Yeah, Dyke Steele, you know, he doesn't. I think he's looked more comfortable as a right back or as a right sided centre half, not a right wing back. So does he tuck inside? Um, you know, I, I've always seen Mark Bowler as as more of a left back than a left wing back, but then. You know, uh, when he played for Blackpool, he played left wing as much as he did left back. And he started as a centre forward and then went to left wing and then moved back to left back. So he'll relish kind of that, that attacking side of things as well. So I think there's a question mark over a few, but that's exciting, isn't it? And 
Um, it is the squad is so talented, and and you know for me it is it, it has underperformed this year. I know it's unbalanced, but the quality of the squad it has underperformed this season this year this season so far. So um, I'm I'm excited about the rest of the season. Yeah, I think just to, to throw my uh, kind of two pennies worth in there as well, I think there's two players that I'm particularly looking at and wondering where they fit into a, a Chris Wilder kind of team. Again, assuming that he goes with those similar kind of Sheffield United tactics. The first is Lee Peltier, because uh, as we know, uh, Chris Wilder's wing-backs were very attacking. Uh, and then he's two wide centre-backs were also very attacking, the, this overlapping uh, centre-backs where, you, you you know, quite often the centre-backs were bombing down the wings for Sheffield United, uh, which I think is going to be really unique to see at Middlesbrough. But, you know, we know Lee Peltier, while a very, very good defender, um, is not somebody who goes forward very well. Um, he does read the game very well, though, so I wonder if maybe Lee Peltier could even be a consideration for that defensive midfield role, which uh, Neil Warnock noted he can play when he signed him, uh, because that's the kind of only position I see Lee Peltier fitting in a in a Chris Wilder side, because I certainly don't see him as the, the kind of central centre-back either, the, if you like, the sweeper, because uh, he's not tall enough to play that role. That's a bold early call, that crap. I'll tell you what, if the Millwall team selection comes out and Lee Peltier is holding midfield out... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I do, but I do like generally because of that, like, con, like worry about where Lee Peltier fits into a Chris Wilder team. Uh, although it was interesting in the training pictures, uh, you know, Dom actually noted this that uh, one of the pictures showed Chris Wilder talking to uh, four players, uh, take them aside. It was Saul Bamba, Lee Peltier, Matt Crooks, and Johnny House, and wasn't it? And, and Dom made the point that you know maybe is is that kind of him establishing dressing room leaders quite early. Uh, so, you know, Lee Peltier was clearly amongst that. The other player I have a slight concern about is, is Hanel Hernandez. Because, again, you know, Hernandez was brought in as a winger. Um, and, and we have seen him play wing-back. And, and, and we know Wilder's teams, their wing-backs are very attacking. Though one thing I've noted, and it could just be because of how much football he, he hasn't played or he's missed, if you like, in recent time. But he lacks an end product. And one thing that Wilder Sheffield United wing-backs had were end product. Uh, they were so big on assists were the wing-backs. And, and El Hernandez has been disappointing in that in that respect. Um, I look at him and, and I wonder, you know, if they're looking to kind of, you know, cut somebody from the, the, the registered squad, cut somebody from the ro- roster to, to bring somebody else in to strengthen in January, could they terminate his loan early? Because I'm not sure he really fits into a, a Chris Wilder side. I think just just to jump in um, and wrap up, I think one thing to to or my thoughts will be, we we know that Wilder has a preferred style of play and what he uh, and the way he played at Sheffield United, but he talked this week about how you know he'll be versatile and and what I don't think he'll do is come in and and force Borough into that style of play early. I think obviously that'd be his preference. Every manager has got a preferred style of play. But if he comes in and thinks, well, you know, we haven't got two or three of what we deem key positions, I think he'll play to the strengths of the squad at the minute. It comes back to to what he was talking about this week. Ultimately, your job is to get the most out of the players that you have available, the squad you have available. So, and you know, yes, yet we know the way he'd like to play. Uh, and the way he set Sheffield United up, but it wouldn't surprise me if in the first couple of games he he he, he kept Borough in a similar setup to the way they have been playing, given that 
he hasn't got a massive squad uh, on the training pitch because of injuries and international duty at the minute. So he, he hasn't worked. And as Craig said, over time, particularly those week-long training ground opportunities, then he'll kind of implement his way of playing and maybe then shape the squad into, into more of the into more of the favoured setup that he wants to play. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting, isn't it? And I think maybe patience might be the little bit of the keyword. Give him time to bed in and, and find his feet. And of course, we'll bring you all the news and results and uh, you know everything you need to know about Middlesbrough on our website. That is the end of Tribe Supper for now. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and past podcast amongst your Middlesbrough support and friends and family and enjoy your weekend. <laughs>